In this episode of Full Stack Radio, I talked to Sarah Swaydon about why you need to stop using icon fonts and switch to SVG now. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 47. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Full Stack Radio. I'm your host, Adam, and today it's my pleasure to be joined by uh, Sarah Swedon. How's it going, Sarah? I'm not bad, thank you. How are you? Good. So I guess uh, for anyone who's not familiar with you, do you mind just uh, introducing yourself? I'm just a front-end developer from Lebanon. Um, I do a lot of stuff when it comes to writing and speaking, basically, mainly. I started doing workshops um, last year, also mostly focused on SVG and CSS these days. Um, I've been, during the last couple of years, since May 2014, I've been focusing mainly on SVG instead of CSS, and that's what a lot of people know me um, for today. I'm also a freelancer. And that's pretty much all I do. Awesome. Yeah. So, th- yeah, the reason I wanted to have you on was to kind of uh, talk to you about some of the SVG stuff a little bit, because it seems to be starting to pick up steam. So from my perspective, uh, the thing that's kind of like been most interesting to me from the SVG kind of world is the idea of starting to use SVG for like icons and stuff, because as someone who's like a backend developer, uh, icons are something that we need to use all the time and like little stuff that we're building on our own and you know typically people have always used um reached for icon fonts like font awesome and stuff like mm-hmm. that and and generally people i think have been relatively happy with that stuff but have run into a couple hiccups here and there but i'd be kind of interested in hearing um you kind of make the case kind of against icon fonts and why you think it would be a good idea for people to start moving towards using svg for icons on their websites yeah okay so there's a lot to talk about here so um, when, you, when you're going to compare icon fonts to SVG, you have to talk about the pros and cons of each one. And if you're going to comp- compare both of them point by point, SVG wins hands down. Um, so let me start by talking about wh- what's so bad about icon fonts. Um, I, I wouldn't really say that icon fonts are bad because saying, saying that something is bad has an implicit um, sort of implication that using that technique or technology might eventually make, make you a bad developer, right? Um, that's not the case with icon fonts. Um, icon fonts are not bad per se, but they're not the best. And usually when we build websites and applications, we strive to use the best out of all available options we have to achieve something. Um, Icon fonts are a hack. They've always been a hack. And when you have a more standards compliant way to solving a problem on the web, you should opt for that. Um, SVG offers that standard solution. So um, instead of what, instead of talking about what's bad about icon fonts, let me tell you the only good thing about icon fonts, sure. in my opinion. Um, it's browser support, because browser support goes back to IE6. This is the only thing that I can think of that's positive about uh, about icon fonts. I know that a lot of developers love icon fonts because it's more convenient to them, more convenient to use. Like when you're used to using something for a really long time, we've been using icon fonts for years. I've personally only used them twice, never in production. I've never used them in any client work. Um, so when you're used to something, it's always hard to sort of switch a complete and entire workflow to something else. And that's why I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of developers are not making the switch yet, because either because they're not convinced yet or because um, some of them, unfortunately, I've seen some comments, um, they, I could say that they're, pref- they're 
preferring their own convenience over the experience of the user. Because when it comes to icon fonts, there are a lot of disadvantages to using them. So every other aspect of icon fonts loses hands down when compared to SVG. And using SVG doesn't mean that you can't, you can't support IE6, by the way. So I mentioned that icon fonts have this advantage, which uh, browser support goes to back, back to IE6. But we're going to hold that thought and come back to it later. So um, usually when people ask me about the pros and cons, I refer to an article written by Chris Coyer. He wrote a cage match style article that compares icon fonts with inline SVG. Um, there are mainly the points in that article plus some based on my personal experience. So the main points are icon fonts. Um, there are three main points that make icon fonts uh, so basically, these reasons are enough for me to not use them at all. So the first one is icon fonts have weird failures. Like an icon font might might fail because it's being loaded cross domain without the proper course. And by the way, I'm just reading Chris's uh, uh, sentence here because he says it in a way better than I could. Uh, so so it's being uh, an, an icon font might fail because it's being loaded cross domain without the proper course headers. And Firefox doesn't like that. Uh, for any reason, the font fails to load because of network hiccups, a server failure, and sometimes there's some there's a weird Chrome bug that dumps the font face rule and shows fallback font instead. I'm not really really sure if that bug is still um, there. And there are uh, I think it's IE9 on Windows phones. I think it doesn't support the font face rule. Uh, there are also other failures that are forced failures. So um, you know that today a lot of people, especially as developers who are aware about performance on the web, we're using content blockers. And if you're using a con content blocker, most of us are already blocking web fonts because um, when web fonts are not implemented correctly, they are a huge performance bottleneck. So in order to, to make the websites faster on mobile, we're blocking them. So and if you're blocking an icon font, if you're blocking the web fonts, you're going to be blocking the icon fonts and the icons are not going to be showing anymore. Uh, browsers like Opera Mini, and this is a huge, huge one here, Opera Mini doesn't support icon fonts at all. Uh, Bruce Lawson, who works for Opera, he once said, we don't support icon fonts. I uh, icons are what SVG is for. And this is true. I mean, SVG is made for this kind of images. Uh, there are other things that are the other problems with icon fonts are um, rendering, for example. Browsers consider text, so the icons are anti-aliased as such. Uh, you cannot, there's only so much that you can style about an icon font. You can style them using uh, properties like, uh, font properties like font size and color and, you know, very limited um, properties. When it comes to animation, you cannot animate them, especially like if you have a slightly complex uh, icon that you would, uh, you want to add a really nice animation to, you yeah. cannot do that with icon fonts. No, the, the most that you can do with icon fonts is to just change the hover on color, uh, the color on hover, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, positioning can be frustrating because um, the icons are inserted via pseudo elements and it depends on the line height, vertical alignment, letter spacing and other characteristics of the font itself. There's also semantics. Icon fonts have no semantics, and this is also a big point to, to me here. You're using empty elements to display an icon. An icon is an image, so you're using an empty element, a span, or even worse, an I element, <laughs> to display an icon. That's not semantic, and to me, that's really bad. Uh, there's also a problem with accessibility. Unless you're really careful with icon fonts and you go all the way, I think there's a way where you can use ligatures to make sure that they're more accessible or that you provide a text fallback for icon fonts. But even that doesn't have, a, that's not supported in IE 8 and 9, I think. Not even, I, I'm not really sure about support there. So semantics and accessibility lose sort of here. Uh, file size 
uh, I'm going to be fair here. Uh, a lot of developers told me that they've seen incredible savings when it comes to file size comparing uh, icon fonts to the same icons created using SVG and used uh, with a sprite. But not all of them have. Like some of them, if, if you, I think it all depends on the number of, a number of icons that you have and the complexity of these icons. So the more you have and the more complex, the more the SVG file is going to be uh, bigger. Maybe bigger than the icon font. So in this, in this case, you're going to have to test. Um, but, but generally speaking, if the file size of the SVG is going to be smaller, which is the case for in, in all of the, uh, the work that I've done so far, you are going to gain a lot uh, when it comes to the overall, overall size and performance of the icons. Which brings us to my last point here, which is performance. I have a really slow connection here, and the flash of square rectangles, I call it. So when you don't get the icon font, when it doesn't load, and you get all these square rectangles, it's so frustrating. I hate it. <laughs> Twitter, GitHub, GitHub used to have this a lot before they switched to SVG. It's frustrating. Uh, I've never had any issues loading any pages where SVGs are used for icons so far. Uh, so yeah, these are basically the main disadvantages. So the only thing, the only good thing in my opinion about icon fonts is browser support. A couple things I think that um, I've run into with icon fonts that I think you sort of addressed there. Uh, the main one that I think actually pushed me to start looking into SVG more, which is what you know caused me to discover a lot of your writing and stuff, which is actually kind of a, a really silly thing, is just that uh, using like icon fonts, a lot of the time, uh, myself and a lot of the, the people that I work with will reach for an icon font to for something like a loading spinner, for example, that you just need mm -hmm. to show somewhere. And you can like rotate an icon, right, and have it spin on the screen using an icon font. But it was always very, very picky about what font size you used in order to avoid having it so sort of wobble. You know what I mean? Because of the way it was rendering. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm assuming that that's a, just kind of what happens when you're working with something that thinks it's a piece of text on the screen versus something that's you know being able to actually be rendered as an image because that's not something that I've ever run into since switching to using a proper SVG for stuff. Is that something that you've heard of in the past? I've never heard of it, but I I think that what you're saying is pretty much uh, what's probably causing it. Yeah. So actually, one thing that you did mention that I think is another reason that you know people use icon fonts a lot is just that it's very convenient, right? It's very easy mm -hmm. to just pull in some existing icon font library. Uh, and just start slapping classes on spans or i tags and have them just work. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience with SVG has been that it's actually a lot more complicated to do SVG uh, properly. And at least there's a lot more decisions to make and a, a lot more kind of steps in the workflow to figure out um, how to do correctly. Uh, well, I have I have good news here. Um, what what I always have have to keep in mind and have to to remind people of is, you have more than one way to create SVG sprites. And one of these ways, uh, basically the tool that I use for that, it's called Grunt Icon. Uh, have you heard of it? Uh, grunt Icon? Is it like a, like like the NPM Grunt? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a Grunt plugin called Grunt Icon, which is used to, uh, it basically takes a set of SVG icons and generates the sprites for you. And it is incredibly convenient, you know, just as convenient as icon fonts. It even works the same. You can even just have these, I hate them, these empty elements inside your <laughs> HTML, slap the classes on them, and then it will work just like, just like icon fonts. So when it comes to convenience, to workflow, 
There is one way to create an SVG sprite, uh, which is very similar to icon fonts, except that you get the advantage that you're using SVG instead. And this technique, when you're using Grunt Icon, Grunt Icon is actually the one tool that I know that does this. Uh, they also have, I think they created a Gulp plugin as well. And if you don't want to use either of these, I don't use either in, in most of my workflow, they have a... Um, a GUI on the web. It's called GrumpyCon. Uh, it's, it's a really nice uh, GUI. So all you have to do is you have this folder of icons. You have a few icons in SVG. You don't, you don't even have to create them yourself. If you use a, a tool like Icon, for example, you can pick um, fr from among like a lot, hundreds maybe of icons. Choose the ones you want, just like you would do with an icon font on the web. Uh, download them and then just drag and drop the file into the GrumpyCon GUI and it's going to generate everything for you. What it does is, is, so the CSS, just like with icon fonts, the icons are present available in the CSS. So this tile sheet itself is the sprite sheet. Uh, you slap the classes on the uh, on whatever element that you want in the HTML, and it's going to render the SVG icons as background images to those elements. So, um, how does that actually work? Like something I don't, I haven't actually looked into is like spriting with SVG in general. Like, I guess my mental model of like a sprite sheet with uh, a standard like you know regular image like a non SVG sprite sheet is you just have some big image that kind of has all your different sprites in it that you need for a site and you just kind of specify an offset to determine you know which one that you want to show in a specific location to avoid you mm -hmm. know fetching each one independently but with svg it's like code right so um that's one of the ways there are three different very different spriting techniques one of them is very similar to the non-svg format like you have this one svg that you put all of your uh, small icons inside of it so this is visual not code in this case but it takes advantage it uses the view box attribute to so instead of specifying background image uh, i mean background position and background size you use the view box attribute to choose which area of the svg canvas you want to show which in other words, is which icon inside of the canvas. So you have one image, you have multiple icons, but instead of using CSS properties to specify which one of these icons is going to show at a time, use the viewbox attribute to, to, to do that. So do you specify that like inline in your markup? You have to specify the coordinates in the viewbox that you want to show as like an attribute on the actual tag? Yes. Okay. Yep, that's one way. The other way, the one that uh, that relies more on code, is instead of looking at the at the SVG um, from the visual side, you have this SVG file. We don't need to look at it visually. Uh, you put all of your, the, your icon definitions inside of it. You define them inside of that sprite, and then you load that sprite onto the page. And then you can reference each individual icon wherever you want on the page using the use element. Okay. Yeah, yes. I think I've seen that, right? That's like a tag inside your actual SVG tag that lets you kind of reference like an external exactly. ID or something for something that you wanted mm -hmm. to use. Okay. Yes, that's one way. Now, personally, in, my, in most of my work, I don't usually create a lot of sprites. What I like to opt for to usually, again, there's a lot of questions, like you said, you, you, in order to make a decision, you have to ask yourself a lot of questions and then make a decision, an, an informed decision based on that. In most of my work, and I know that a lot of professionals who also use SVG prefer to just put the icons in the page as is, throw them SVG tag in line. But sometimes you should create an SVG spread because if you have Element, uh, icons that you're repeating multiple times on the same page or on different pages, it's better for performance that you just put them in one place and instead of just repeating, especially if the icon is 
like if, um, for example, if I have a really small icon and it's made up of a very small path, I would put that in line wherever I want because repeating it is just like the same as using a use tag uh, when it comes to the number of characters in, okay. in, in the HTML. But if you have like um, a slightly more complex icon that you want to repeat multiple times, then definitely create a sprite. You don't, it doesn't even have to be a real like a sprite um, between codes here. And uh, one of my recent client projects, what I did is we had this uh, one icon. It's, it was a trash icon. And we had this, this table. And for every row in the table, we had this trash icon so that the user can delete this uh, particular row. So we were repeating the same icon multiple times. And because it wasn't particularly small, all I, had to, all I did was I defined, I put it inside an SVG uh, as a template at the beginning of the page. And then I used use to... Um, to reference it inside of the table multiple times, only because doing that made the file size smaller than it would have been by, um, you know, just copy pasting it multiple sure. times. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so you have to make a lot of decisions based on what you're doing. Basically, it, uh, there is no black and white. There is no best way to do something. The best way is very relative, dep depending on what you're doing and what you want to to take out what you want SVG to be able to do for you. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank our first sponsor of the episode, and that is Laracasts. So Laracasts is a de facto community and educational resource for PHP developers of all skill levels, covering all sorts of topics in the web application development space from uh, getting started with frameworks like Laravel to building complex user interfaces with JavaScript frameworks like Vue.js and React. I think there's over 700 videos on there right now, which is over 120 hours of content. And Laracast actually has a special offer for Full Stack Radio listeners, where if you sign up with the coupon code FULLSTACK2016, all one word, all caps, you actually get 50% off of your first month. So you can get access to 120 hours of content for under five bucks, which is pretty awesome. And I think uh, once you check it out, you'll be hooked. It's probably the best $9 a month that I spend. I always find new stuff there to learn, and it's kind of my go-to resource for any new topic that I'm trying to learn. I'm always hoping that Jeffrey has done a video on something because he does such a great job teaching this material. So if you haven't checked it out, definitely check out Laracast.com and use the special full stack 2016 coupon code to give it a try and get your first month for 50% off. Thanks Laracast for sponsoring the show. So I guess um, something else I would be interested to talk about related to that is what all the different ways are that you can use SVG in your site. Mm -hmm. We've talked about kind of a couple here. But uh, there's even more that you can use, right? And everyone kind of has advantages and disadvantages. So I'd be interested in hearing about your opinions on that. Um, definitely. Um, so when you want to specify a way, there are seven ways to embed an SVG on a web page. I think there are even eight if you count the embed tag, which nobody basically uses anymore. So you have image tag, just like any other image, you have CSS background image, you have the object tag, you have an iframe, um, you have inline, and then number seven is similar to image, but instead of using just the image tag, you use the more modern picture element, which allows you to provide the SVG and its fallback at the same time. Uh, so each one of these has its pros and cons. An image tag, you have to ask yourself a few questions. Is the SVG going to be animated or not? If it's just a static image, it doesn't have to be animated. Uh, if it's maybe just a couple of images, you don't need to create a sprite, so you could use um, an image tag. If the SVG is meant to be a background image, then use it as a background image. Um, image tag and background image do not, do not allow you to animate the SVG unless the CSS is 
positioned inside of the SVG. But even that, um, I don't know why Firefox is still not very happy with it. So even if you, even if you have the CSS inside of the SVG, it's not animating in Firefox these days. Um, then if what kind of animation do you have? Does your animation have to be created using JavaScript? Because we cannot animate all of the SVG properties in CSS yet. Uh, that's going to change in the future, hopefully. Uh, but so can you create the simple animation using CSS? If so, use CSS. If not, then use JavaScript. Now, when you do know that you do need to use JavaScript, that's when you have to go away. Like You have to move away from image and background image because JavaScript does not work for either of those for security reasons. So you're left with iframe, object, and inline SVG. Um, personally, you know the most perfect way to embed an SVG, the most ideal way, where you get all of the control that you want, all of the flexibility, is to put it in line in the page. Inline as is, not using the use tag. Just put the SVG in there. But sometimes I personally prefer to not do that, especially if the SVG is really big. Like um, I had a... Um, uh, an infographic in one of my clients' works. Um, the infographic was really big, and to put that infographic, it was all SVG, to put that into the HTML would have been a lot, a lot of clutter. It wasn't worth it. So what I did, and I did need to animate it, so I used the object tag. Um, object tag allows you to animate it anywhere you want, using CSS or using JavaScript. So again, like I said, it depends on what you want to do. Um, do, you, do does it have to be animated or not? Do you need to spread it or not? Um, does the JavaScript, uh, does the animation require JavaScript or not? Um, how many icons do you have and how often are they repeated? Should you create an SVG sprite or not? Then if you're going to create an SVG sprite, you have three different ways and each one of those ways. So it's like this flow chart. You have to keep asking yourself <laughs> all of these questions and based on each answer, you, you continue until um, you finally make a decision. I like the fact that we have all of these options, although I do understand that it can be frustrating sometimes, especially that Sometimes you just have to make compromises. So if you were going to recommend an approach for someone who's using SVG mostly as a replacement for what they would have otherwise been doing with icon fonts, what do you think is the easiest uh, approach to start with? Easiest approach, if you, do, if you only plan to use them just like icon fonts, no fancy animations, nothing, maybe just, uh, just change the color on hover, something like that, yeah. I, would, I would say use the, um, the grant icon workflow. Um, I have. I know that um, it's not, it does, it's not really that useful if I'm just saying use the X workflow. So I have this article. It's called an overview of SVG spread creation techniques. I wrote that two years ago, actually, on 24ways.org. So it gives you a, an, a preview of or an overview of each one of these three techniques, and you can choose the one which you want. So if you want the most basic one, no fancy animations, nothing fancy, the closest that you can get to icon fonts, then use the CSS as background image sprite. And for that, uh, you, should just, you should definitely use Grunt icon or Grump icon because uh, they, uh, it's made by Filament Group and they have a guide to show you. It's called a designer's guide to Grump icon. Um, so it shows you how it's done. It's incredibly simple, literally. So just drag and drop, get all of the files. You put a script at the beginning of the page and it will not have any bad impact on your performance. And it does everything for you. Um, it will load the, the SVG sprite if the browser supports SVG. It will load the non-SVG sprite. It generates the fallbacks for you. It will load that fallback for you in browsers that don't support it. So literally, all you have to do is put the files in your folder, um, add the script to the page, 
page and then use them just like you would use um, icon fonts. Elements, empty elements, put the classes on them and reference them in CSS. This is the closest you can get to icon fonts. Um, the other two techniques are also useful. The view box technique is the least used one, even though it's my personal favorite. But I do understand why, because it also comes with limitations when it comes to uh, some browser support bugs and uh, others regarding animation and what you can do with it. And the third one is the most flexible out of all three techniques because it allows you to do some styling and some animation to some extent. Cool. Yeah. Um, so with that, uh, the grunt icon workflow, you're saying there's like a script that runs at the beginning. Is it is it like replacing all those elements on page load or something? Is that kind of how it's working? No, no, no. The script, all the script does, it, it loads whichever sprite sheet. Uh, so it does a sort of a feature detection of some sort. Uh -huh. So if a, if a browser does support SVG, it's going to load this CSS file that contains the sprites, uh, that contains the SVG images. Mm -hmm. And if the browser does not support SVG, it's going to load the other SVG sprite, um, which uh, which uses PNG. Actually, there's um, there are three three style sheets generated. One of them is the SVG. Uh, the other style sheet contains the back um, the fallback as um, inline SVG is encoded inside the style sheet and the third one but but it's encoded so that ie8 uh, supports it as well but i think it's ie6 and 7 they do not support base64 encoding i'm not sure i've i forgot all of the details so the third sprite sheet loads the um, svg replacements as png got it so this yeah the script only just specifies which uh, which which style sheet you're going to load and even in more recent uh, updates for the for uh, for the grump icon they've added the ability so that if you want to indeed replace those empty elements with inline svg you have the option to do that so i guess something that we kind of skipped over a little bit sort of at the beginning was uh, we talked about kind of what some of the the cons of using an icon font are, which sort of talked about some of the benefits of using SVG over icon fonts. But are there any other kind of like explicit benefits of uh, using SVG, just like stuff you can do with SVG that you can't do with icon fonts at all that you think are worth talking about? Absolutely. Yes. So they're going to be exactly the same points, except that instead of saying that this is really bad with icon fonts, we're going to say this is awesome with SVG. <laughs> so SVG images don't have any weird failures and they're not blocked by content blockers. They are images. They are supported by Opera Mini and all modern browsers back to IE9. Every single one of these embedding techniques comes with at least two ways to provide fallback for older browsers. So even if you need to provide fallback, you can do that. Um, Rendering, uh, when it comes to rendering, SVG image will look sharp everywhere on every screen, regardless of the resolution. Icon fonts could look blurry, and they do look blurry sometimes. Uh, SVG is not going to, and it's, it looks great everywhere, including in non-digital media and print as well. You can style them, you can animate them using CSS, using JavaScript. You can st select, style, and animate the contents of an SVG image. So individual elements inside of the icon, not just the entire icon itself. Of course, which technology, JS or CSS, you use depends on how you embed it again. Uh, positioning, uh, you can, there, there are no weird positioning frustrations. An image is positioned as you would expect it to be, and it does not depend on any of the font characteristics. And yes, one of the frequently asked questions that I used to get, uh, just like icon fonts, an SVG can be made to scale up and down with the font. 
if you use relative positioning, uh, if you if you use relative units, I'm sorry, like M. Okay. So instead of using, uh, so instead of putting the icon uh, in a sentence and saying this icon has width 30 pixels by 30 pixels, you can use 1M by 1M, and then as it will scale with the font as it scales up and down. Um, an SVG image is semantic, so the SVG tag represents an image, just like the image tag does. The elements inside of the SVG are also semantic and descriptive of the content that they represent. Um, SVG comes with elements that make it possible for you to make the icon and its contents more accessible. So if you have multiple groups inside of the SVG, you can... The, the, the two elements are title and desk, which means description. So if you add the title and description to an SVG, the screen readers, generally speaking, they will be able to read those, um, read those out loud. Now, there are some uh, differences with the screen readers and support. So combined with ARIA attributes, you can make sure that your SVG images and icons are experienced by assistive technologies as well. Um, file size is usually smaller, as I mentioned, but um, there might be exceptions. So again, as we said in the icon fonts par uh, part before, you need to test. Generally speaking, they will be smaller, they will be better. Um, same with performance as well. The only disadvantage would be, uh, I, I read a comment today, uh, the, uh, the guy said, SVG is so awesome, I would so like to use it, but sadly, I still have to support IE8. Even if you do have to support IE8, you can provide fallback. There are so many ways you can do that. Uh, so. Don't be scared. You can do it. It's going to be something new. You know, there's going to be some work at the beginning. But once, you've ha once you have a workflow set that you're used to, it's going to get a lot easier. There are automation tools. There are automation tools, including for optimizing SVGs as well, which you should definitely do. So, yeah, just like with icon fonts, it's a workflow. And once you've, and once you've set it up, once you've um, added automation to it, 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 it becomes so much simpler. Just wanted to take another quick break to thank our second sponsor of the show, Rollbar. So one of the frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors, of course, right? You know, either you rely on your users to report errors or you're digging through log files trying to figure out what went wrong or... Maybe you're hooked up to an existing tool and you got millions of alerts flooding your inbox all day long. Uh, Rollbar is like a full stack error monitoring solution. And with Rollbar, you get the context, insights, and control that you need to find and fix bugs faster with a lot less noise. So Rollbar is really easy to install. You can start tracking production errors and deployments in eight minutes or less. It works with all major languages and frameworks, including Ruby, Python, JavaScript, PHP, Node, iOS, you know, you get the picture. If you're a Laravel developer, like myself, there's actually a package that you can use that integrates with Rollbar really quickly. So Rollbar also integrates with a lot of different other tools, like it can send your errors to Slack or HipChat or create new issues in GitHub, Jira, and stuff like that. And uh, for full stack radio listeners, Rollbar actually has a special offer where if you sign up at rollbar.com slash full stack radio, you get access to their bootstrap plan for free for 90 days. So you get like 300,000 errors tracked for free. So give Rollbar a try. Head over to rollbar.com slash full stack radio to try out the bootstrap plan. And thanks to Rollbar for sponsoring the show. I think when someone kind of first hears about the ideas of using SVG, browser support is the sort of thing that comes to mind as like a reason they might not be able to use it. But based on what you've said so far, it sounds like uh, you have to have like pretty dated browser support requirements for it to actually be a problem. Yes. Like, for example, on most of the stuff that I work on uh, with the people that I work with, like we don't really have any hesitation when it comes to using a feature like Flexbox, for example. So if we're happy using Flexbox for something, it sounds like we should have zero reservations about reaching for SVG. 
Yes, absolutely. Definitely. So you talked a little bit about like, um, like SVG workflow and trying to like get everything up and running there. Um, I've, I've noticed personally when I've been trying to create my own SVGs that I've run into problems now and then where I don't necessarily know like which features of the tool that I'm using are supported by SVG and which ones are not. Or And sometimes it's just a matter of the tool maybe exporting it not the way it should be, or sometimes mm-hmm. it's a matter of SVG maybe not supporting it. So for example, I remember trying to create some images in Sketch one time and I was varying uh, which stroke I was using. So sometimes I had an outside stroke, sometimes a center stroke, or sometimes an inner stroke. But when I exported the SVG, I noticed that they were always being exported with the stroke being centered no matter what. So my images didn't look correctly for, so I had to go back and adjust any of those strokes that were set, you know, to be something other than a centered stroke to make them centered and then make any adjustments necessary to make it look the same for it to render properly. So that's an example of the sort of problem where I don't know if that's like a limitation of SVG where I should be keeping that in mind when I'm designing them or if it's a limitation of the tool. And if it is, what are the best tools to use to design and export these things? Well, you should generally, generally speaking, you should be, um, you should have at least some awareness of what SVG is capable of before you design. Because, uh, for example, the stroke thing, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, we only have one way to specify strokes in SVG, which is centered today. But with, with SVG two, we will be able to spe- to specify whether whether it's going to be inner stroke or outer stroke. So this is a limitation for now. But when it comes to exporting SVG, like you said, um, the tool that you're using has a huge, huge um, effect, uh, impact on it. I'm really, really sorry to say this because I know that sketch designers are awesome people. They have been open to incredible feedback. They have made really good improvements. But um, SVG is uh, sketch is still the worst when it comes to exporting SVG. Um, <laughs> in my in my latest cl- client work. We had these images, we literally dropped from 2 megabytes to 200 kilobytes just by recreating the same icon in Illustrator. Uh, The designers that I was working with were using Sketch all the time, but because of the file sizes, I've asked them to try to change them. Too long didn't read or too long didn't didn't listen here in this (laughs) case. um, Sketch did have a lot of you know, the way it exported things, there were these incredible amount of masks and just so many things that I was like, where are these things even coming? Why is there a mask there? I mean, this is the simplest icon ever. Why do I have a mask in there? So I would ask the designer to recreate them in an illustrator and the code would be so clean and so awesome and I could work with it and the file size would be so much better. So if you're going to choose a tool for now, when it comes to creating SVGs in particular, uh, I know that Sketch is fantastic for creating UIs, for creating, um, you know, uh, templates, or I don't know, I'm not a designer, so I don't really know the specifics. But if you're going to create an SVG icon and you need the exported code to be really clean, um, I, for now, for now only, so hopefully it's going to get better in the future. For now, I recommend to not use Sketch. Use either Adobe Illustrator, which um, after early 2015, 2000, I think 2016, yes, so in the end of 2015, I think, uh, the export options in Illustrator changed a lot. The exported code is so much cleaner now. It's fantastic. I, AI is great for creating and exporting SVGs. Inkscape is also fantastic, but I personally don't use it at all because it's 
in my opinion, it's unusable on OS X because um, the UI is incredibly blurry. It doesn't work without the X11. I don't even know what X11 is. Yeah, and why it I know what it. you mean. It's just one of those things that's just hard to get up and running, and it just doesn't feel like it's built for your computer the same way that the, you know, exactly that's properly built for a Mac feels like. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think I hear that it's really good on Windows, and I've recently got a um, a Windows machine. Thank you for thanks to Microsoft, um, the Edge team. They're amazing. So I'm going to be able to start using Inkscape on one machine, but I definitely don't don't use it on my main machine. Um, Inkscape is really great on Windows, I think, and it even feels like it's at home in Linux. Uh, I'm not sure. So um, Illustrator is my personal favorite, but Inkscape is free. It's open source. Um, it's really good. A lot of people love it. And Inkscape has one advantage that Illustrator does not have, and it's on my wish list. And I wish we would have it in Illustrator. You can edit not only you can you can edit the SVG visually, just like you would normally do. You can also open the code for that SVG inside of Inkscape and edit the code there. Cool. This is this is amazing, especially if you're a developer. Um, you can do both visual and code. This is fantastic. Um, yeah. So. You have the options between free and paid, and then um, the ability to edit code and not being able to edit code. But these are the two what I would I would personally recommend. Are there any um, besides like the stroke thing that we talked about a bit? Are there other features of SVG or that SVG doesn't support that you might be used to using in like a vector illustration tool that you should be careful with or that people should know about? Um, I think some people have had problems with blending modes and you know the way you blend things because um, the the problem is that general support for SVG is excellent, but support for specific features can sometimes be incredibly buggy. So a feature such as masking, for example, or clipping, it might work inside of the SVG, but if you apply that from an SVG to an HTML element, that will break in some browser browsers and work in other browsers. So um, I don't have a definite answer here, a definitive answer here. So the best way for you is to just test and try to be as informed as possible. Um, I'm incredibly excited about um, the upcoming CSS Conf because Amelia Bellamy writes, she works on the SVG2 spec and she's uh, finally, uh, we're going to get up to date with everything that's coming in SVG2 and what's going to change. So that's something to look forward to. The videos are going to be available after the conference at that's something that would help. I personally stay up to date by following the people who are working on the SVG spec. This is one of the best ways to do it too. Awesome. So uh, one other thing, I guess, related to what we talked about with um, Illustrator exporting things better than Sketch, are the sorts of differences stuff that like couldn't be handled by an, an optimizer? You know, it's just like a fundamentally different way that they decide yes. to build it. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Because some of the images that we had, they literally broke. Uh, some of them just disappeared like instead the, the canvas would just turn white as soon as I passed them through through an optimizer uh, those exported from sketch they weren't optimized um, the code was still f filled with junk and it, they, they just broke they literally broke with illustrator the code is going to be already optimized to some extent you might be able to do some extra optimization manually uh, like if you want to remove some IDs or something um, and even with the IDs it's not as bad as it used to be yeah, so it's um, generally speaking, even with Illustrator, always make sure that you use an optimization tool unless, again, there are, there's always a if, um, if else here. 
um, if you have, if you're going to have animations inside of the SVG, if you've set up a specific document structure, like if you've added class names, if you've added IDs while you're working in Illustrator, if you pass the SVG through an optimizer after that, it's likely going to change all of that. So, so the optimizer is going to remove any IDs that you're not using, for example. Uh-huh. Um, Yes. So you might have added those IDs because you know that you will be using them in the JavaScript or because you want to use them for um, for animation somehow. So you do need them. But once you've passed them through SVGO, for example, you're going to lose that. So if you're going to if you if you need to maintain the same document structure and IDs and class names, do not use an optimizer and try to do it manually as much as possible. And this is, again, one place where Illustrator is definitely the go-to tool because Sketch is not going to give you, for now, a code that is half as clean as that that Illustrator gives you. Awesome. So what is your recommended tool for doing SVG optimization these days? SVGO, definitely. It's fantastic. There, there are, it comes with a lot of tools and you can choose the tool that works best for your workflow. There's a Grunt plugin, a Gulp plugin. There's even an Illustrator plugin, um, a Sketch plugin recently created as well. I think an Inkscape plugin. Um, but all of these tools, they have, there's also, uh, the, the one I personally use the most is the drag and drop GUI. So you just drag your icons into the GUI and they're, they're going to be replaced by the, by the optimized version. But these tools have one disadvantage. You cannot know the result of the optimization ahead of time. Sometimes it might break the SVG, and that doesn't have happen today as much as it used to before. Um, I don't know if it's because I know a little bit more about SVG these days, so I, I treat them more carefully. I don't sure. know. But um, sometimes, especially if you have certain animations or stuff, the structure is going to change, and depending on how the SVG is created, it might break. And you will only be able to know that after you've optimized it. So I recommend keeping a copy before optimizing it. Uh, the only tool that does provide you with the optimizations of SVGO and with a preview is the SVGOMG, uh, SVGO's missing GUI, which was created by Jake Archibald a couple of years ago, uh, which is a web, uh, it's a web UI. Um, it works offline, so you can, as soon as you visit it the first time, you can use it offline anytime after that. Um, you, you, you put your SVG in there, you optimize it, you choose which optimization options you want because you may not want all of them to be applied, and then you download it. Of course, if you have a lot of icons, it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, it's not the same as you know having a grunt um, optimization workflow where it just optimizes everything in a specific folder. But um, again, it depends on what you're working with. And generally speaking, most small icons are okay if, if you pass them through SVGO. They're not going to break. Cool. Um, maybe that's a good place to start uh, wrapping things up. So I guess, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or bring up um, related to SVG that... Uh, is something you know people that are looking to get started with it uh, should know about or are yes. resources you should recommend they should check out? Yes, definitely. Uh, on the resource side, there's a lot. So um, if you're going to be providing a list of uh, resources, for example, um, when you publish this podcast, I have a lot of links I can share. Okay. But there's one, one important thing to mention here. Optimization starts on the creation level. So when you're creating the SVG, there are multiple things that you can do to make sure that the exported code is clean. Um, I've written an article about that. Uh, it contains nine basic uh, tips. So instead of sometimes, for example, use basic shapes instead of paths. Uh, make sure that um, you choose only one decimal uh, number instead of three 
there are some things that you can do on the creation level in Illustrator. Um, that article is specific to Illustrator, but the concepts apply to pretty much other editors as well. Start on the creation level. Designers and developers need to talk to each other early on. If the developer is going to animate the SVG, make sure the designer knows that. Uh, they should be able to, uh, for example, if, if the developer is supposed to, uh, to animate a group of elements together, the designer should make it easier for them by visually grouping them together so that the exported SVG also contains a group for these. So they should definitely, uh, designers and developers, SVG should bring them together. It does, it should, they must come together when it comes to designing, creating, and then, um, you know, everything else follows easily. But optimizations start early on in the creation process. And when it comes to resources, um, I'm going to be a little biased here. There is definitely my blog. I read a lot about SVG. And I have from beginner level to advanced um, SVG articles. CSS Tricks also, also has some really awesome guides on SVG as well. Um, the Smashing Book 5, um, SVG, uh, Smashing Magazine's Book 5. I've contributed a really long chapter on SVG for everyone who wants to get started. And Chris Coyer also this month, a few days ago, actually, he... <clears throat> He released Practical SVG, which is also a book on SVG, uh, which is published by A Book Apart. That's also a great resource to look into. Sounds good. So what is the best way for uh, people to be able to, to keep up with uh, what you're doing and learn more about the stuff that you're working on? Um, on Twitter. I'm very, very active on Twitter. And if I'm going to be publishing anything on my website or anywhere else, uh, Twitter is always where I'm going to be announcing it. I also have RSS on my website if, if they're not really into Twitter and just want to um, keep up with, with the articles there. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time and coming on the show, Sarah. It's been awesome. Thank you for having me and for putting up with all of the stuff that I had to say. <laughs> no, it's been great. It's definitely a topic that I've been really interested in lately and trying to kind of figure out a workflow that works for me and the stuff that I do to be able to kind of get everything working smoothly. So it's, it's awesome to be able to speak to someone like you who's a real expert in this stuff and kind of be able to bounce some of these questions off of you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's a pleasure. Uh, so if anyone is interested in show notes for this episode, they'll be available at fullstackradio.com slash 47. If you can rate and review the show on iTunes, that's always helpful. And thanks as always to uh, Rollbar and Laracast for sponsoring Full Stack Radio. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.